Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, this is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown, Raiders! Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. I'm right here at the Las Vegas ballpark. Battle for Vegas is going down tonight. Team Riley Smith, that's the Golden Knights. Team Josh Jacobs, that's the Raiders. That will take place. It's going to be a lot of fun as the Raiders are preparing for training camp that really gets ramped up starting on Thursday. But there's also some other action going on on the Diamond, and that is at Dodger Stadium. And joining us right now is Elisa Hernandez, and she is the Dodger Stadium host. And Elisa, last time uh, we talked, you didn't have that job title, so now you're the Dodger Stadium host. Congratulations on that, uh, that new gig that you got going on. How's that been going? Thank you so much, Q. So happy to be back on here. And, you know, I got to keep big time myself. I got to catch up to you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> it's been going great, though. Honestly, I couldn't have been blessed with a better opportunity, especially this year with the All-Star Game coming back to town. How's the family feel about that? Because I know they bleed Dodger Blue. <laughs> they do. I actually made the announcement uh, that I got this job by surprising them at Dodger Stadium. So they had no idea. I had them go to a game. And I told my parents that I couldn't go because I had to work. And <laughs> my sister got them there. And then I popped up on Dodger Vision on the big screens. And they were so shocked, so proud. And it was probably one of the better surprises that I ever gave them. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, congratulations again. And we've been probably talking and, and doing interviews for two, three years at least. And uh, all, you've yeah. <laughs> done, all you've done is continue to rise and rise and rise. So congratulations. That's awesome. I'd love to see that. So, I appreciate that. Appreciate that. No doubt about it. So tonight, I mean, we're in the all-star break right now for baseball. And, of mm-hmm. course, the, the game will be played there at Dodger Stadium. But tonight's the home run derby, and you're actually going to be a part of that. How much fun and how exciting is that for you? Yeah, honestly, it's been so fun this entire week getting ready for all-star to come to town. I mean, we've been waiting for this for about what, two, three years now. Um, supposed to be here in 2020, and then obviously with COVID, it got pushed back. And so for it to finally be here and us to finally showcase our stadium is really awesome because obviously there's new additions to Dodger Stadium. It's obviously a classic, you know, stadium that we have here. It's such a big staple here in Los Angeles. And the Home Run Derby, I mean, you have some pretty good hitters taking part in it. Right, actually, exactly. And Albert Pujols, I mean, I don't think he's going to win it tonight, <laughs> but I just think it's so cool that he's going to be a part of that. And, look, he was part of Dodger Blue for a minute as well. He's obviously back with the Cardinals. But, uh, I mean, what are, you, what are your thoughts on just Pujols going out there and participating tonight? That's Theo Albert, for always and forever. I mean, <laughs> uh, he brought such a spark to that team when we really needed it. He was such an injection of the love for the game, and that's what the guys really needed at that time. And, you know, he was one of those guys in the clubhouse that he he's a legend, obviously. And mm-hmm. every season, the Dodgers just have that one guy that's like the Yoda. You know what I mean? It just right. kind of gives good advice keeps people calm and you know we had rich hill at one point and now we had robert Pujols last year and so his smile his energy everybody wanted to get home run because they knew they were going to get a hug from theo albert at the end of the dugout. <laughs> so, you know he just brought such a spark obviously he was with the angels for a long time but we were happy to see him in dodger blue but honestly i'm even happier that he went back to the cardinals and is having that farewell season you know with the organization that he's really played a good chunk of his hall of fame career in 
Yeah, no doubt about it. And Hall of Fame career is right. Again, we're talking with Elisa Hernandez. She's a Dodgers stadium host, and tonight the home run derby is going to take place there. How about Corey Seager? He's a, a former Dodger. Uh, he's now with the Rangers. But what are your what are your <laughs> thoughts on Corey? You think he's going to put on a show tonight? I mean, he has to. This is, I mean, this is still home. I mean, it hurts to see him coming back in another jersey, but he, you know, he put up numbers while he was here. He's one of those guys that made such an impact here, not only by winning awards, but also just by helping bringing a World Series to this amazing city of champions. So, I mean, he has 22 home runs on the season. He's up there. I mean, the number one seed uh, has 29. Only person above that is Aaron, Aaron Judge. So, I think that he's in, a, in good company. I think he'd put on a show. I I feel like Dodger fans are going to get mad because I'm not picking him to win. <laughs> but I think he's going to get far. I'm glad you said you weren't picking him to win, not because I don't want him to win, but I want to know who you think is going to win. So who, who do you got your uh, your eye on tonight? You know, I have my on, my eye on, on Juan Soto. I think, you know, he has 20 home runs on the season. And he has had such a good power swing. Uh, and I think he's, he's just a fun guy. And sometimes I feel with the home run derby, people get really, like, serious. And I feel like that sometimes, like, hurts you in a way. You know, I feel like you right. don't have to go out there and just swing, have fun, and just take it as a glorified, high-intensity, high-energetic BP. You know, and I think yeah. that's the way to kind of approach it. Because you're going to have the most fun that way. And I think that he's that guy to really just mellow out, take power swings. And, I mean, it's between, just for my Dodger fans out there, it's between him and Corey Seager. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, speaking of Juan Soto, this weekend it was reported that he turned down the 15-year, $440 million contract. I can never even imagine what it's like to say no to something like that. But what were your thoughts when you saw that? I mean, I wanted to call the Braves and see if that offer can be extended to me. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> um, no, I mean, I, it's, it, I thought it was interesting. And obviously, you know, with the Dodgers, we've been very spoiled in the right. past couple of years. And so we always want everyone. And so um, it's part of my secret plan to so pick him to win, so hopefully he comes <laughs> to the Dodgers. And, and so, you know, we already have Freddie Freeman. So, right. But, you know, I, I thought it was really interesting. Um, you've seen kind of influx of guys signing these long-term contracts you know what i'm saying these long 10 years you have manny machado had one um as well as some other few that kind of came along after the way you kind of see these long-term commitments and I, I don't know i don't know why he said no i i mean i assume you know it'd be it'd be something he wanted to say in atlanta but i mean it's gonna be interesting to see what happens i mean baseball is one of those sports that you kind of hold on for your seats a little bit because right. it's such a long season and it's, it is such a commitment because you are committing to the team, the city, the hours, you know, the training, for everything. It's a full-on commitment for you and your family. And so I think he's just kind of weighing his options. And uh, <clears throat> I hope it comes to the Dodgers. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, it's so funny, Elisa. I'm here at Las Vegas Ballpark. And since you're always at Dodger Stadium putting in work, you're, you can imagine what's going on in the background right now. They're testing all the sound. So that's why it got incredibly yeah. loud here. But that's nothing for you. <laughs> you're already used to that. That's how it happens at the ballpark, right? <laughs> oh yeah, there's always there's always a delay. I think when I first started my job with the Dodgers, you know, I was talking and then I would hear myself a little later and I would wait for my second voice to talk, not realizing that I'm like not saying anything for like 10 seconds. So then that I have to get so comfortable, funny. you know, just ignoring myself for a second and just kind of keep going and keep with the flow. But the fans have been great. I mean, I've been a Dodger fan my entire life. And so being able to Take a small part in representing the city, take a small part in representing this amazing organization in the All-Star Game has been a dream come true for, you know, a little girl from 
Southern California. <laughs> oh, I have no doubt about it. You definitely got to take a bunch of pictures, put them on Twitter, and like I said, we're definitely all uh, super proud of you on that trajectory that you've been doing with your career. Just keep continue to shine. Uh, final question for you: uh, What exactly? Uh, what is the plan? How do you, how do you uh, approach the home run derby tonight? Like, what what are you going to be doing? What's the part that you're going to be doing? Well, you know, I'm taking part. Um, we all took parts in different ways. So I actually was a big part of the Celebrity All-Star Game okay. um, on, that took place on Saturday with the Futures Game and Celebrity All-Star Game, which was so much fun. Um, and, you know, just being part of the crew, you know, we're always on standby. Seeing it, you know, we got to come in and pinch it for anybody. There you uh, go. So I will be there. <laughs> I will be there, but my, uh, my dad will also be in attendance. So hopefully taking it in as a fan for most of the game. Um, yeah. My role is. It's just kind of, like I said, waiting in the wings. But like I said, this is, this is the home run derby, and then the All-Star game is going to come into town. First time since 1980. You know, it's been a long 42 years. Right. Uh, and it's, I think it's a, a little fitting that it's 42 years that we, that we finally yes. get the game back. I mean, there's, there's a little beauty in that as well. Right, there is. Yes, 42. And that's no mistake about that. That is awesome. I'm glad you dropped that little nugget for us. Final question <laughs> for you. The Dodgers, they're up 10 games right now in the NL West uh, ahead of the Padres. Uh, is, yeah. is Pops and, and yourself, are you guys a little nervous? Like We, we had uh, our guy Ed Graney on, who's a big Dodger fan, and he's at the edge of his seat. He's a little nervous because he said 10-game 10, 10 lead is not enough. So how are you guys feeling about the Dodgers lead? I mean, look, we went into the All-Star break very strong. Uh, obviously, we have Clayton Kershaw. We have so many All-Stars playing in this game alone. We have Freeman, Betts, Kershaw, Turner, Gonsolin, uh, Tyler Anderson that really made a push. Will Smith realistically should have been in there. But I think we've been playing pretty well. I think the biggest thing that we've seen is them coming back in, in, in you know, when they're down big. You know, they were down to down big to the Cubs early, um, and then they clawed their way back. They didn't get down on themselves. And that's one of the biggest things that you can kind of fight for. And, I mean, the Padres are a good club. I mean, obviously, um, with Tatis coming back and seeing what he's going to do is always going to be fun. But, you know, I'm a Dodger fan through and through. I, I'm not really too worried about the Padres. <laughs> there you go. Um, so you know, I got you know, I got to talk a little, but uh, I think all eyes for right now are in LA for this All Star game, and we have so many All Stars and so many guys that are constantly stepping up, and we've been able to kind of stay healthy uh, so far this season. You know, obviously our bullpen and our pitching staff has kind of been going through ups and downs, but we've been steady. You know, as we've been kind of going through this line, going through these clubs, and and dealing with the with the NL talent that we see. You know, every time that we kind of face somebody at Dodger Stadium, so. I'm pretty confident in this team. I think we're going to make a good run. I think we'll win the pennant this year. Um, obviously, last year we lost that to the, to the Giants, but <laughs> we knocked them out in the playoffs. So, you know, <laughs> I want to make sure that uh, we keep our hopes up. But, we, like, again, we've been so spoiled here that it's, it, it's going to take a lot for Dodger fans to really worry, you know, because, right. you know, Dave Roberts is such a great job, man, uh, job managing that, that ball club and that clubhouse. And, you know, the ship is always steady, and I think that it's going to stay that way. So gonna take, it's going to take a lot for me to, to question the cap. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, enjoy your time this evening. Uh, enjoy it with Pops and enjoy that home run derby and keep doing what you do. We definitely appreciate you this afternoon. Oh, of course. And I can't wait to see who rocks that home run derby chain. It's a nice one, so it's going to be yeah. exciting to watch. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Well, thank you so much. There she goes, Elisa Hernandez. She is the Dodger Stadium host, and she's uh, taking part in the in the all-star activities and festivities that is going on at uh, Dodger Stadium. And I like that little – 
that 42-year nugget right there that she dropped. I thought that was very fitting, of course, 42, Jackie Robinson's number. And, uh, yeah, I think that it all ties in together and makes a whole lot of sense. So many thanks to Elisa Hernandez. 3.11 is the time. We'll come back, take a look at some of these text messages that we've been receiving, 69187, keyword R&R. That's the Salmon Ash text line. Uh, asking about the Raiders and their expectations for the playoffs. I mean, training camp is getting started. They were a playoff team a year ago. There should be no reason, in my opinion, why they don't expect that. Of course, you've got to go out there on the field and earn it, but – where do you think? You know, there's uh, seven spots in the AFC that uh, are playoff spots, and we saw the Raiders take number five. They were the fifth seed a season ago. So uh, who do you think the seven teams should be in the playoffs for the AFC, and where do you think that the Raiders should be seated? Let us know about us. 312, this is Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy, Q. We are out here live at the LV Ballpark. The site, the location for Battle for Vegas. You'll have the Team Riley Smith, that's the Golden Knights, going up against Team Josh Jacobs, which is the LV Raiders. Representing tonight, it's a little bit of a, a cap to the offseason as, of course, the Raiders get to training camp. The rookies and the injured players reported today, and the veterans will report on Wednesday, and all the activity on the field will really get started on Thursday. But we're out here. It's a really good charity event. It was a lot of fun to be at uh, last year, so I'm glad that I'm able to be out here and even uh, do the show here live uh, this year. So it's a lot of fun uh, here at the ballpark, and I'm just watching everything kind of get put together. You're hearing a few sound checks here and there going on, and just the whole construction of the ballpark is being put together right now in preparation for the gates to open up at 5.30 and have the home run derby at 6.30, and then the, the game actually gets started around 7 o'clock. So uh, this is where we're going to be for uh, the next few hours, no doubt about it. And, uh, again, encourage you to definitely come on out here. Uh, if you don't have your tickets already, I don't know what you're waiting for. We uh, gave out a bunch of tickets, so hopefully uh, you enjoy them and you come on out and, and enjoy this good game that we're going to have tonight. Uh, I can't wait for the actual action to take place on the field. I know Little Q, who's in town still, he's going to come out here tonight, so he's excited to check out this game. And, again, it was a lot of fun. It was one of my first events I went to last year uh, when I arrived in Las Vegas. So looking forward to what happens a little bit later on this evening. We had a lot of different conversations. We've been talking about the Home Run Derby, talking about the Raiders and the and where they stand in the AFC and who's the teams that you think are going to make the playoffs in the AFC and what are the teams that, you know, made the playoffs in, in uh, for the AFC in 2021 that you think might not make it. You know, I look at a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers and I don't think that they're going to make it. They squeaked into the playoffs. I don't think that they're going to be in this year. I look at the Patriots. I think they take a step back without Josh McDaniels calling the plays. You know, there's a few teams that uh, made the playoffs in, in, uh, in 2021 that I could look at and say, yeah, I can see them, you know, taking a step back. You know, including the Raiders if they don't handle their business. Now, I do think they're going to. I think they're poised to because of the, the, the way that they've improved the roster. But, you know, I mean, you, you get off to a slow start, especially with that gauntlet of a schedule that they had. I mean, things could go downhill quick, fast, and hurry, and that's their job. That's Josh McDaniels' job. That's the player's job to make sure that that doesn't happen. I'll tell you right now, I don't think that the Cincinnati Bengals are going to be the fourth seed. I, I hate to keep doubting them. I doubted them all year last year, and they end up in the in the Super Bowl, but – I don't think they'll be the fourth seed like they were a season ago. So I'm looking at – I'll look at seed six, which was the Patriots, seed seven, which was the Steelers, and I'll say those two teams won't be in the playoffs from the AFC in 2022. Uh, I do think that the Baltimore Ravens will be in the playoffs, and I think that there's a chance – that's another team. Let me look at uh, – maybe maybe Denver sneaks in if things uh, you know start working quick, fast, and hurry, if they start clicking immediately. Um, Denver over the Chargers? Oh, and the Chargers didn't make it either. That's true. Yeah, I'd pick the Chargers before Denver. You're right. Good catch. 
Good catch. I wasn't even thinking about the Chargers. I don't know how I wasn't thinking about them. Yeah, I'd put the Chargers in over Denver. So those are the two teams that I would I would take out the Patriots and Steelers, and I'd replace them with the Chargers, and I'd replace them with the Ravens. So those are the two teams that I'm swapping. I still have the Raiders in. I think Cincinnati will get in, but I think they'll be like a seven seed or six or seven seed, something like that. You know, they won't be as good as they were uh, a year ago. But I definitely want to hear from you at 702-365-9200. Of course, we have Matt Holder from Silver and Black Pride coming up at 3.30 to talk all things Raiders running backs. So let's, let's go out to the phone line zone talk to our guy Mitch in New Jersey. Welcome to Unnecessary Roughness, my man. What's on your mind? What's happening, Q? How you doing? I'm blessed, man. How are you? Me too. My grandson's seven days old. <laughs> oh, he's a crybaby. He loves to eat. And you know why? <laughs> you know what happens when I have to eat a lot. Yep. Uh, boy, <laughs> busy. I haven't even done any overnight duties yet. I feel so tired, but he's such... I gotta learn how to hold him. Right, I, I understand. Swallow holds like like it's a loaf of bread. Me, I'm, I'm struggling. <laughs> but, uh, I'm a short guy. Right, I, um, got, I all, got you. I think the home run derby is the best part of all star game. To me, it's five days. I like to have my whole all my Dodgers be off and just prepare for the rest of the season and trade for Soto. I think uh, you can have the three teams: that, not Denver in the West, Buffalo, Baltimore, and Cincinnati. That's the way it's going to roll. All have good quarterbacks, right. very good quarterbacks, and better. Okay, good stuff, good stuff. Thank you for the call, my man. Again, uh, enjoy that grandbaby, man. Congratulations. And that's how I was, man, when I first uh, held my, my, my oldest son. I didn't have any idea how to hold him because I thought I was going to break him. So uh, you'll learn. <laughs> you will learn. Eventually, it's, it, it, you'll, you'll pick it up. Just, you pick him up just like, uh, like he's a loaf of bread, like you said his dad does. Uh, but it's, it, it'll, be, it'll give you a minute. But you'll, you'll, you'll pick it up. So thank you so much for that call. Got a text from uh, Vegas Pete on the Salmon Ash text line, the 69187 keyword R&R. Uh, I'm rooting for former Las Vegas 51's Pete Alonzo. The NFL's king because there's a salary cap, so Nashville and Green Bay could compete with big markets. Baseball is broken because of the lack of one. The Dodgers' payroll is double or triple of some teams. They need to fix it. I think the Dolphins sneak in this year. Pats will suffer without McDaniels, McDaniels calling plays and not make it. The Ravens might not even win their division, and with their weak play calling, they nor the Steelers might make the playoffs. Raiders, I'm hoping for the top four seed. So uh, Vegas Pete doesn't think that the Ravens are going to be that good. I just think with the, them being healthy, I think that they're going to be a lot better than they were a year ago. Uh, I just expect a, a John Harbaugh coach team to be really good. That's just my expectations. And I, I even said so last year before uh, the game, before the Ravens got real banged up and injured before the first game of the season, I thought that it was a good opportunity for the Raiders to steal that game because they were playing the first week of the season. I just thought that, that was you had a better opportunity to go in there and kind of uh, catch them off guard and catch them still trying to get into midseason form. So I thought they were in a better position to go and play that game week one and ultimately won it in overtime. So uh, you could be right, but it's going to be interesting. There's so many good teams in the AFC, but uh, I, I got the, the Ravens making the playoffs this year. And like I said, I like your note on the Dolphins, though. They did a lot this offseason. I know DeMond's a big fan of the coach, uh, so we'll see what he's able to do. I think they have a lot of pressure, though. I think the Dolphins have a lot of pressure with all the different weapons that they've brought in. Can Tua get it done? Can Coach McDaniel get it done? If he can't, then there's going to be some problems. We were hearing already rumblings about Sean Payton uh, potentially coming back and the, th the teams that he'd be interested in, including the Chargers, including the uh, the, Dol the Cowboys, and I believe the Dolphins were the other team that he'd be interested in. So, uh, yeah, man, that's that's there's going to be a lot of pressure, I think, there in Miami. Uh, not that there's not a lot of pressure, in my opinion, in, in Vegas. I think with everything that uh, the Raiders have invested in their weapons, I think there's a lot of pressure as well, even though not like Josh McDaniels is on a hot seat or anything. Just There's just pressure to get it done. 
right? This team was a playoff team a year ago. Uh, there's no reason why they shouldn't be a playoff team this year, even though they have a gauntlet of a schedule. I uh, got another text that is not about the subject we've been talking about, but it's still a really good text uh, from Rob in Oakland, and he always provides us some with some quality stuff. He said, this is off today's topic, but this morning I heard something on the morning tailgate that set off a thought. In the past, players were Hall of Famers or not. The players from the early 2000s, like Sapp, T.O., and Moss, started making a big deal about being a first ballot Hall of Famer. Then these guys go on NFL Network or the game day shows to keep their visibility up to stay in the minds of the public and voters. This is an unnecessary designation and unfair to the players that paved the way. I wonder if the Hall of Fame committee feels pressure to induct some guys on their first ballot. The older guys die and can't celebrate their hard work, uh, just so impatient younger guys can play. Uh, can, players can jump the line. Again, that's from Rob in Oakland, and obviously it has to do with Cliff Branch, who's going into the hall uh, this year, and he won't be there to enjoy it, but his family will be. And, and I'll say this, that, that the note that you made about players going on these different shows and being in the media and, you know, staying visibility, yeah, they use that to their advantage. They absolutely do. There's no doubt about that. If anyone thinks that they don't, they're kidding themselves or lying to themselves. And lying to yourself is not healthy. But, yeah, they do that absolutely for that reason. They want for That's one of the reasons. They want to stay relevant. They want to continue to be talking or talked about. And on top of that, they want to be also respected by the media and the ones that they feel like are going to be voting for them. So if all of a sudden this player, like a, like a Randy Moss, wasn't really loved by the media when he was playing, all of a sudden he becomes a member of the media and starts putting his personality out there. And it's like, oh, hey, this is a pretty cool guy after all. And, and then all of a sudden a Hall of Fame voter, not that Randy Moss wasn't a Hall of Famer because you know he was, but, yeah, Rob, you make a great point. That's, that's definitely part of the, of the plan that they do. They, they throw that out there and they start uh, having those, uh, you know, being on those shows for for that reason not that reason alone but that is part of it and uh, I agree that it's not really it shouldn't be about that it shouldn't be about a lot of things though you know the, the other thing I can say about it is a lot of these Hall of Fame voters and you see it more in baseball than you do in football but a lot of these Hall of Fame voters won't vote for a guy because they didn't like him or because well he didn't talk to me or he didn't do this that and the other and John McClain's not like that John McClain is very uh, open and hey if the player could play then he's voting for him. You know, I mean, that's just – and that's what it's supposed to be. And John has told me, and I have this argument with people all the time because I know this is not how it is, but this is how it's supposed to be. You're supposed to vote on a guy who – based off of what he did on the field, you know, and, and, and what kind of player he was and what he, what, what he meant to the team, not because he went on his driveway and did sit-ups in the case of T.O. or he didn't want to talk to the media in the case of, like, a Marshawn Lynch or, you know, just guys like that. I mean, guys that, that weren't the, uh, the easy and the most accessible dudes to the media, it's not supposed to matter when it comes to Hall of Fame voting. It's supposed to come down to what kind of player they were, what they were able to do for their team, uh, were they the best of the best at that time. You know, just those are supposed to be what the rules are, but it's not. You know, it ends up becoming – uh, you know, a politics thing where it's like, well, this guy was very difficult to talk to. This guy wouldn't give me, you know, an answer when I asked him this question. This guy would just say next question. This, you know, it's just, it, it, it's, it's not cool that, that that ends up being a, a factor, but it does become a factor because everyone wants their story, and then you got those same guys going back and voting. And that's why I believe last week I was talking about uh, voters and who should be uh, voting in the Hall of Fame, and I think that they should change it up. I think that they should get some new blood in there every once in a while, you know, just uh, after a certain amount of time, rotate guys out, rotate guys in, because there's other things, there's other factors that play into it, and I think that, you know, getting some new fresh eyes on the situation would never hurt anything. So uh, that's something that at some point they'll probably do, but uh, baseball, that Hall of Fame voting for baseball is ridiculous. Ridiculous. I mean, how many years in a row do they go with nobody? It's like, you tell me there was nobody that was a Hall of Famer? Get out of here, right? Oh, damn. 
Here comes a cool car. I don't even know what kind of car this is. But it's a what? It's a slingshot? Slingshot just drove by, drove by us on the concourse. I mean, <laughs> talk about things. Talk, yeah, thanks, Jed. Th talk about things you don't see all the time. <laughs> also, also, I hear some. I hear some sound. I'm like, what's going on? I look, and a damn slingshot is going past me. So there you go. <laughs> talk about unexpected. <laughs> Man, that thing almost came up and bit me. <laughs> that thing almost. Right, exactly. Look, we all kind of looked around like, what in the world? <laughs> but that was kind of cool. 3.27 is the time we're here at the Las Vegas ballpark. As you can tell, it's getting a little bit more ramped up. The activities are getting ramped up here at the ballpark. Coming up next, we're going to be talking to Matt Holder from Silver and Black Pride, talking all things Raiders running backs. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy, Q. We're here at the Las Vegas Ballpark. Battle for Vegas is happening tonight. Doors open at 5.30. The home run derby is at 6.30, and the game gets kicked off at 7 or so. So you could definitely uh, come on by here, make plans to, to be out here, and enjoy a nice evening out at the ballpark. And The wind is blowing. It's not quite as hot as it was earlier today. It's been, a, it's been so funny with the weather. It was really dark this morning. Then it got really hot. And now it's kind of getting a little dark again and windy. So it's feeling pretty good. But you're hearing the sounds. You're hearing music playing. So you know it's a day at the ballpark. So come on out here and have a good time. Of course, I'll be uh, broadcasting the show live until 5 o'clock here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Now joining us on the phone lines is our good friend Matt Holder from Silver and Black Pride. You can find Matt on Twitter at mholder95. As a young man with a Darren Waller jersey, walks right by me. What's up, D. Wall? I see you. He's ready for the game tonight. Matt, thanks for your time this afternoon. My man, I saw you did an interview with Kenyon Drake, and so I was really uh, intrigued by that. And the reason why I was intrigued by it, I mean, obviously Kenyon Drake is a heck of a player. He's been around the league for a while. We know what he did at Alabama. But I was reading this piece on the 33rdteam.com, and it was talking about tiers of running backs. And they said, when asked about a sleeper team that could push tier one or two, they pointed out the Raiders could. They could sneak up if Kenyon Drake is healthy, but he has ankle problems. I don't know if he'll ever be himself again, but if he is, then McDaniel's offense will be dynamic for those two backs, Jacobs and Drake. Amir Abdullah and Brandon Bolden are solid four-core teamers who can contribute on offense as well. They're really deep. So, Matt, with that being said, you got to talk to Kenyon Drake, so let's start with the health. We know he's coming off the, the broken ankle from a season ago. Where is he at right now? When does he think he's going to be able to participate in training camp? Well, first of all, Q, thanks as always for having me on. Always a blast coming on here. Um, but, yeah, when I talked to Ken and uh, asked that question specifically, you know, when he kind of expected him to come back, um, he said he expects to be back in a full go by week one, exactly when. Uh, he doesn't have a, a concrete timeline right now. He, did say he mentioned uh, or brought up bringing it playing in a couple preseason games just to get back in, in football shape. But the biggest takeaway is that you, you might not be ready to go uh, Wednesday, I think, when all the veterans report to camp today to yeah. reported. Um, but he will be able to – he will be ready to go for week one or at least expect to from that standpoint. So at least be ready to go when the, the bullets start flying and the games start counting. Yeah, I mean, that's important is to be ready for week one. But how much do you think he needs training camp, especially since this is a new regime and they, they he's got to be able to showcase what he could do? Yeah, I mean, like anybody, any player playing in a new uh, new offense, definitely want to get the reps out there. I think the thing that's going to help Kenny Drake out, and I actually didn't uh, didn't realize this or didn't come up, put two and two together until he mentioned it, is he played for Adam Gates, who played who was coaching under uh, coaching under Josh McDaniels over at the Broncos, and uh, Drake played for Gates over with the Dolphins. So he does have some familiarity with the system, at least from that standpoint. It's not a complete foreign language. Obviously, things get changed between uh, McDaniels' time and 
Denver, which was a while ago, and uh, you know some language language changes and all that stuff. But he's at least familiar and comfortable with the offense. But like you said, I mean nothing nothing compares to those light reps that he, that he's not going to get to at least start training camp. So him being on the field is definitely going to be be huge for the team and huge for his development uh, as he kind of enters a little bit of a training camp battle going into the going into camp. What do you think about his skill set? And he does a, a, a bunch of different things really, really well. That's why he's in the league. But what about his skill set do you think uh, could really be a huge asset to this Josh McDaniels-led offense? I mean, just go back and think about some of the, the more recent Patriot teams. I feel like in the last 10 years that McDaniels was leading the offense, one of the biggest staples that they had was running back who could catch the ball out of the backfield and really make things happen. That's Kenyon Drake to a T. That's why the Raiders brought him in last year, and this year he ends up being a probably even better offense for the fit that he was in last year. So I think that's the biggest thing is, um, you know, we keep we keep talking about getting Josh with the, or no, Josh McDaniels, uh, Josh Jacobs more involved in the passing game, but hasn't quite come to fruition. I think part of that has to do with, you know, the guy being banged up, just running the ball, so they need him to, to tote the rock first, and then kind of the passing game secondary. So I think Kenyon Drake can definitely take that pressure off of him. I think he can fill that role, be kind of one of those. Uh, those frustrating fantasy backs where you can never seem to predict um, who's going to be going off for the, for the Ravens and now the Raiders, or the Patriots, excuse me, now the Raiders. So I think he can kind of fill that role, similar to kind of what Brandon Bolden, also a Raider um, now, has kind of kind of done in New England uh, with McDaniels throughout the last few years. So definitely catching the ball out of the backfields where I feel like he's going to have the, the biggest impact on the team. Talking right now with Matt Holder from SilverAndBlackPride.com on Twitter at MHolder95 and uh, talking about the running back room. And, and they have a lot of running backs. They have a lot of different options. Josh Jacobs running back one. Kenyon Drake, that could be a nice one-two punch. And if those guys can stay healthy and on the field uh, throughout the course of the season, I think that that's the biggest uh, you know question and, and the, also the biggest expectation. But what about their rookie, Zamir White? You know, they got him out of Georgia. They grabbed him in the fourth round. What do you think he can – what kind of role do you think he can carve out for himself in his rookie year? You know, it's an interesting one. I've been kind of trying to figure that out um, on my own for the last summer, and I don't know if I have a great answer for you, but I think he can definitely be a guy that can kind of mix into the rotation more as a runner than a pass catcher. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it was at Georgia, if it was more of a case when they just had so many good backs that they didn't really need him to contribute on passing downs, both as a pass blocker and catching the ball. He didn't do a whole lot of either um, either last year. Again, not sure if that's just 100% on him or if that's something where uh, they just didn't need it. They just didn't need his services out there. I can't say from watching him, he doesn't strike me as a guy that's going to be, you know, creating a bunch of separation down the field right. like a guy like a Kenyon Drake or a Brandon Folden can. But I can definitely can see him contributing on first and second downs, like we talk, like I was just talking about. Patriots of all and with McDaniel's have always been known for using a running back rotation. So I think he can kind of spell Jacobs, um, especially if Jacobs starts getting a little worn down, maybe towards the middle of the year, and keep him fresh. That's kind of the role I see uh, White playing, which. Um, you know, I don't know, maybe maybe disappoint some people, but I definitely think his role is going to get bigger depending on what they do with Jacobs in the offseason, which, as we kind of talked about uh, all offseason, is pointing towards them, or this being his last year with the Raiders. So I think White has more uh, more value in his future than he does this year. I agree. I agree 100%. But I do think he's going to be part of the rotation. One of the elements and one of the ways I see Josh McDaniels using him, I, in my uh, you know imagination, is uh, near the goal line. You know that short yardage back, yeah. that that kind of that that guy that could be that uh, that thunder. You know, just kind of pounded in there. And, and Josh Jacobs does that really well as well. Uh, can you see him as yeah. a short yardage back? Definitely. I mean, kind of kind of reminds me a little bit. I'll throw it back here to my my early Dallas Raiders fans of, of the Zach Crockett type of player. You know, yeah. we talked about first. You see those stat lines with like four carries for five yards and like three touchdowns. That kind of guy. You know, um, 
So I definitely think he can, he can contribute in the short yardage situation and in the goal line. He's that type of runner where he's not going to look to try and uh, run by you or juke you out. He's going to try and lower his shoulder and uh, run through you. And those are the type of guys you need in the, in the down in the goal line, those batter ram types. So I can definitely see where where you're coming out with that one, Q. Yeah, no, I, I feel like he plays a, a big-time role in, in that, again, short yardage kind of territory. Again, we're talking with Matt Holder from SilverAndBlackPride.com here on Unnecessary Roughness Raider Nation Radio. We're at LV Ballpark right now preparing for a battle for Vegas, charity softball game between the Team Riley Smith and Team Josh Jacobs. You can hear the wind picking up here in the background, but it's all right. It's cooling us off a little bit. So was there anything in this Kenyon Drake interview that you had, and it was a, a pretty lengthy interview, was there anything that, you, uh, that stood out to you that maybe you didn't expect to hear from or you just didn't know? about him yeah one thing that i kind of uh to pivot back to the the waller interview the last time i think i was on here um, you know I, I asked him i asked darren waller about uh or he got on attention about how he has a tattoo and winston churchill so i gave uh Kenyon the, the opportunity and basically brought that story up i'm like you have anything interesting about you and uh he said that when he was a uh, younger he wanted to be an astronaut and super into astronomy <laughs> and uh, but you'll listen to the interview you'll kind of get a better sense of what i'm saying but he tells me that and then goes off for probably, I don't, I don't even know, I feel like, like it was like five minutes about just different things about astronomy and like the stars and the moon and all that stuff. You could really tell like this is something that it, it wasn't just like something he's saying. He's really like looked into this, really studied it. And uh, so I followed up and asked him like, well, Bama, I don't know what your major was, but um, did you take an astronomy class or anything? And said, yeah, I took one and I hated it, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> but, uh, uh, That's you know, cool. Uh, it, I think it was one of those things where he was expecting to go in, learn about the moon and the black hole, and all of a sudden they're calculating distance between stars. Not exactly what he signed up for, but I guess that's the, uh, the intro level class that he had. So I thought that was pretty funny. You got to want to be an astronaut. Ended up not liking the one astronomy class he ended up taking. No doubt. And, hey, man, that happens. I remember I took an acting class because I thought I wanted to be an actor until I got in that class and realized <laughs> I don't want anything to do with this. I wanted nothing to do with that. I was like, yeah, I'm definitely out of my element. So, uh, yeah, that, that that happens, Matt. That happens. Sometimes you think you want to do something, then you don't. I think he I think he picked the right field, right? I think he's doing just fine uh, on the football field as a running back. And, of course, teaming up with uh, Alabama, a fellow Alabama uh, running back, Josh Jacobs. Uh, how, how excited is he for another opportunity? opportunity to get back out there in the field and run with Josh Jacobs, who was super pumped up last year when they signed him as a free agent. Yeah, I mean, like you said, they were super stoked when I asked him about his relationship with Jacobs, too, and, you know, they're pretty close, which is interesting because I, I didn't even uh, cross my mind, but they're actually, were a year apart yeah. out there and actually didn't play together, which is interesting that they're so close, but yeah, I mean, he kind of said to, said in the same sentiment that, uh, you know, his year ending uh, being injured kind of felt like he got cut short with uh, with Jacob. So I think he's super excited to have at least one more year of those two playing together and being able to, to run it back this year and, and have a good year. And like I said, he speaks nothing but but highly of uh, of Josh Jacobs. Talk about how great of a guy. You can really tell how close they are and uh, how good of friends they really are just by talking. Yeah, I think that um, Kenyon, like, uh, he was, like, hosting him on his recruiting trip, I think. I'm not 100% sure, but I think that that's how it shook out, that Kenyon was his host on his recruiting trip to Alabama. I want to say that that's what Josh told us. Uh, as far as just the team, and they're getting training camp going, the rookies reported today, the veterans on Wednesday, and really the activity starts on Thursday. I started the show saying that the expectations, no doubt about it, should be the playoffs. There shouldn't be any, well, if they make the playoffs. They should go into the training camp saying when we make the playoffs, right? I mean, of course, you got to go do it on the field, yeah. but after when, after getting to the playoffs last year, it shouldn't be no more like, hey, maybe they can make the playoffs. No, they should do that consistently. So what are your expectations for the team uh, as far as this year's goes? And I know they have a tough schedule, but 
Am I often thinking that, you know, playoffs should be their expectations? Absolutely not. And I'd probably take that a step further and say that I'd expect them to win a playoff game this year. Mm. Um, You know, I think, I mean, I think, like you said, like, you know, they go last year, they had all the crap that they had to deal with on and off the field, end up making the playoffs. Well, I mean, you set the standard there and they were, what, uh, four plays away from the the nine or whatever from tying the eventual AFC champion. So, I, and then you add in, you know, guys like Devontae Adams, Chandler Jones, and everything that they've done this offseason. I mean, I feel like the standards have been set, the standards have been raised. I feel like if they're going to have, a, if they're going to look back on this year and say this is a, you know, a successful one, I feel like the, the standards got to be to win a playoff game, which last 20 years or so is kind of kind of funny to be saying about the Raiders season. But hey, I mean, like we said, they set the standard. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. I think they should hold themselves to a to a higher standard, and um, you know, they should expect, again, to be in the same spot they were last year and you know, take that extra step to really become a, a potential Super Bowl contender in the next few years here. No doubt about it. Again, we're talking with Matt Holder from SilverAndBlackPride.com uh, here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. My man, Damon is back in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. He's got one for you. Yeah, Matt, when you talked to Kenyon Drake, did he mention, did, has he spoken to the league any further about the type of tackle that he was injured on because mm. he expressed the sentiment that it's not like he's not an unhealthy player, but he thinks that that tackle should be taken out of the NFL. Mark Ingram also agreed with him when he echoed those sentiments. So did he? has he had any further conversation with the league about that type of tackle? Yeah, and so I'll put it out there, too. He definitely went out and asked about that. You know, he didn't think there was any malicious intent behind the tackle or anything, and he brought up, you know, how handcuffed defenders are with um, with their tackling, especially when it comes to quarterback and all in this day and age in the NFL. But, no, I was very surprised to find out he hasn't heard anything from the NFL. They haven't reached out to him. There's been little to no communication. Basically, kind of uh, at this point, he's like, uh, as far as we know, as far as he knows, nothing's going to be changing or nothing's going to be, be done, which I was kind of surprised. I figured if uh, a player was raising a concern like that about player safety, which the league has been uh, trying to be at least more proactive on in recent years, I figured they'd at least you know follow up with the guy. But very interesting to see the NFL not even, uh, or almost not even acknowledge that it happened. So. Yeah, that is interesting. That's really interesting. DeMond, good question there because I had forgot about it. I guess maybe the league did as well, you know, since he hasn't heard anything. Well, Matt, great job again, man. You had a Darren Waller interview that you did uh, earlier in the offseason, landing this Kenyon Drake interview. That's big time right there. Uh, for anyone who hasn't had a chance to uh, listen to it and check it out, where can they find it? Yeah, it's over on our, our podcast channel. It's just Silver and Black Pride Podcast. Silver and Black Pride Podcast. Sorry, let me say it one more time. Um, over on uh, anywhere you can find, anywhere you listen to podcasts, interviews up there. Like you said, Darren Waller's uh, on the same channel. Get all of our podcasts that we have uh, going out on our channel. I think we've got, we're at about averaging about one every weekday right now. So plenty of Raiders news for you guys to get your fix. Nice, I like it. I like it. Good stuff, man. Well, uh, like I said before, man, when you come to town and when you when you're around, man, uh, you got to hit me up and let me know. Uh, we got to get you in the studio. Mm-hmm. We'll do some work together, brother. We'll do for sure. All right, thanks, Matt. I appreciate you, man. Matt Holder right there from uh, silverandblackpride.com uh, on Twitter at mholder95. And definitely go check out those interviews that he's been doing. He's been cranking them out. And I always respect when content uh, creators are putting some work out because it's a, it's a grind. It's a real hustle. It's not easy. And the more that is out there, the better, right? I mean, I don't think Raider Nation could get enough Raider fix. So guys like Matt and, uh, and many others that are putting out plenty of work, I definitely appreciate them. 347 is the time. Got a bunch of text messages I want to get to. Got a couple calls I want to get to. As we close out hour number two, we're here at Las Vegas Ballpark. I see some dancing going on, some folks getting ready. I see you. I see. Go on. Get it. 
Get it. Go on, get it. I see you. There we go. We got some dancing going on in the concourse. That's what we do here at Las Vegas Ballpark, preparing for the Battle for Vegas going on a little bit later on this evening. It's 347. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. We're really excited. Um, I think just to be able to, to give back to this community and put on this event and, and um, have it uh, support families in need in the, this, this local town is, is the most important thing. Obviously, I'm saying that because we, we've lost the last two games, but um, it's a lot of fun. It's a great family affair, and um, you know, there's still tickets out there for, for people to come. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920, here's your boy Q. That's Golden Knights, Riley Smith, team captain, team Riley Smith, going up against Team Jacobs. Josh Jacobs here at the Las Vegas ballpark, home of the LV Aviators. That is the AAA team of the Oakland A's, and I'd much rather have the Aviators here than the Oakland A's. And that's coming from an A's fan. <laughs> that tells you where that tells you where we are as far as the fandom goes with the A's, right? I'd rather come out here to the ballpark and check out the Aviators, which are guys I know that are young up-and-comers, instead of a professional team that decides to get rid of all the guys that have came up and just only rely on up-and-comers. Just don't believe in that that business mind. But that's just me. That's a whole nother conversation for a whole nother day. Excited about the game tonight, but uh, it's getting a little windy out here. It's getting a little little darker out here, and I don't know if it's me, but when I went to Texas, I feel like all of a sudden I can predict rain. Like, I can smell rain. It's one of those things, I remember with someone, I don't know who it was, maybe it was the wife, maybe it was someone else, uh, when I first got to Texas, they're like, oh, it smells like rain. I was like, what do you mean it smells like rain? Now, all of a sudden, I'm like, do you smell that? That's rain coming. I don't know if I was in Texas too long or if that's just something that maybe you mature into. But uh, it smells like it's going to rain. Vegas Pete is up on the Salmon Ash text line, uh, 69187, keyword R&R. He said, Q, rain is coming. Hope you have your smelly yellow ra- rubber raincoat on like when we were kids. I do not. I do not. And uh, I'm on the concourse, so I'm not too worried about the rain, except for if the wind starts blowing, then that could become a problem. But I'll tough it out, man. I don't think that it'll be too long. I remember sitting in my backyard last night at the house. We actually had a few uh, friends over, the wife's sisters in town from San Antonio, and we had some f- folks over, and we were looking. Um, I don't know what direction it was, but we were looking. We're like, man, it looks like it's raining over there. It never rained where we were at uh, in Henderson, but we know how the weather is in monsoon season. We know that uh, it gets windy real quick, fast, in a hurry, and then all of a sudden it's pouring, and then it's gone. So I'm expecting if something does, if some rain does drop this, uh, this evening, which it looks like it's going to, it won't be long. But thank you, Vegas Pete, for that. I appreciate you. He also said uh, Jacobs and Drake and White. Th- uh, he said Thunder and Lightning Part 2 with Jacobs, Drake, and White. And I, I could totally see that. Uh, I think the biggest question, going back to Matt and his conversation he had with Kenyon Drake, has got to be his health. I mean, he said, and I don't know, Damon, you, you, you respond to this. It kind of set an alarm off to me when he said he'll be ready for week one. What do you mean? Like uh, that's what a lot of players are saying when they come back from that injury. Yeah. Do you want him to say like I'm ready to go the first? I mean, I'm just I'm asking a legit question. Do you want him to say, hey, that first game of preseason, I'm 100? percent No, I just think that he needs training camp. You know what I mean? Like that's that's me. What up, Paloma? That's that's me. I think that he needs training camp. I think that him just being ready for week one could end up being a potential problem, right? I mean, and maybe I'm maybe I'm looking too much into it. I just think that if you are trying to impress a new regime and you're trying to prove your worth to the team that you would want to be available for summer training camp not just week one of the season like I mean that's great yeah you want to be ready for week one but I think that you got to be ready for training camp some part right if not the beginning at some point 
I think that he's one of those vets. I'm not saying where he's just solidified his spot on the team is there, but his resume speaks for itself where if he's got the playbook, he's going to earn he's going to earn a spot on this team. I don't think that he's in the worry. I'm not saying that you're saying he's going to get cut, but I think that he's one of those vets where training camp man, maybe not that important to him. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I, th- I think training camp is going to be important for everybody. I really do. Again, especially with the new regime. But you could be right. And, of course, I mean, he can't go out there and, and participate if he's not healthy. But I just think that that's a big part of it, man. I just think that that is so important for this new regime to be able to see what you bring to the table. I know you got the resume, but they also want to see it. They want to see how explosive he is. They want to see how healthy he is. And, you know, it's just – I don't know. I, I just – it, it kind of – maybe, like I said, maybe I'm overthinking it. And I've been known to do that at times, so I'm not ruling that out <laughs> at all. <laughs> but that's just my initial thoughts on that. And when I heard that, it kind of made my, my eyebrow raise a little bit. Again, maybe I'm wrong. Sir Whiskey Ray hit us up, 920, and got to get my unnecessary, ref, uh, unnecessary roughness fix on. Hope you guys had a great past weekend, and by the sounds of it, today's charity game will be a huge success. Q, I hope you're able to get a late special invite to play in tonight's game and smack a walk-off home run. Okay, that probably won't happen, but it's all good, LOL. Thanks for always keeping it rolling here on the airwaves. About to pour some whiskey for the upcoming home run derby. I got Cleveland's Ramirez as my dark horse winner for tonight's game. And you know what? Someone else hit me up about uh, Ramirez being the dark horse for tonight's game. And don't get caught slipping. And I think he's, in the, if I'm correct, isn't he going up against Juan Soto? No, no, no. You know what? That's wrong. Julio Rodriguez, home run derby champ. That was from Brian. He said, don't sleep on him. So who is who is Juan Soto going up against? I don't know if it's Ramirez or not. I, I, I saw the, the matchups earlier, and I lost it now. I don't know where they're at. But that's going to be interesting as well. I've got the brackets here. Okay, so who's, who's, uh, who's Ramirez going up against? Juan Soto. Oh, so I was right. I doubted myself, and I was right. Study long, study wrong. There you go. You got it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Study long, study wrong. And that's exactly what I did. So uh, there's that. That's going to be fun, man. I like that. I do. Uh, I don't know about this this wind, though. It's starting to get a little windy and starting to look like it's going to be a rainy. I don't know if there's going to be a home run derby here tonight. But we'll take a quick break. We'll come back, have a a fantastic guest here sitting at the table with us. So we're definitely going to pop her on real quick. So uh, coming up next. Paloma Villacana, she's here at the table, so we got to talk to her. It's Radio Nation Radio 920.